Hello, and welcome to the venue. I'm Greg Wolf, uh, Education Manager for IVM. Uh, today, we're really excited. We have our special guest, Paul Velotti, uh, PE. Uh, he is the Director of Life Safety for Henderson Engineers. And, uh, is, and one of the hats he wears is also a professor, uh, instructor at uh, AVSS. Uh, so very happy to have Paul on today. Paul, how are we doing? I'm doing great, Greg. It's uh, really a pleasure to speak with you today. Good, good. Well, and I know you're in Kansas City, right? I am. It's uh, snowing and cold here. I'm uh, excited to get out to uh, the AVSS Academy in San Diego in three weeks. So uh, I yes, uh, thank indeed. you very much for having, having us out there. Yes, indeed. Well, it's kind of a traveling show now, AVSS is a school. And I, I think I think probably if any, many of our listeners, you know, Henderson Engineers is probably in every single one of the major markets. If you're walking downtown somewhere, I always say Henderson Engineers somewhere. So uh, you're all probably U.S. based, but uh, definitely uh, you're with good company uh, in Kansas City. So, uh, so Paul, you know you've you've been an instructor now for I think what five years I think at uh, at uh, AVSS. Yep, this will be my sixth year there. And I, and I really think it's a it's a it's a bad stereotype that that fire safety and fire codes is boring. I, I anything but I think, and I, and what everyone loves about your class is you always bring some excitement to it. And uh, we were talking before the call about how, you know, fires are really the touchstone moments in venue history about if you talk to any historian about venues, it's always a fire. How did that, what caused it, you know, what happened afterwards? And so this is, you know, we're talking today about fire safety and false alarms, technology. And so it's, it's, it's not something that uh, ever will leave us, right? I mean, I think it's always going to be vital for venue professionals to understand this concept. Well, exactly, and you know, if we consider the Coconut Grove uh, uh, right. Supper Club, the fire that happened in Chicago, we killed 300 people, and that was over or 600 people in one fire that was a year ago. And you know, one of the things that uh, that I'm striving for, and that we work for here, is that uh, is to try and uh, try and prevent that. Uh, right. Since then, you know, everybody's heard of the Station Nightclub fire that happened about 15 years ago, where we killed 100 people. You know, we, we continue to not learn the lessons that we know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that uh, you remember out in Oakland, the ghost ship, the, uh, that was the mm-hmm. artist studio and warehouse where 36 people right. were killed. And, and uh, what re- really makes me sad is that we've had since the Station Nightclub fire, which, uh, uh, again, the lessons we learned there were there were no sprinklers, you know, that, that the egress paths were not maintained free, that the that the building was overcrowded, that we had, uh, you know, improper interior finishes, which are the, the same, it's just the same recipe for disaster that happens, uh, uh, at, at facility after facility after facility. But we've had three fires that fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, uh, were not in this country since the, uh, nightclub mm. fire that have killed 600 people in just three fires. And these are all at, mm. these are all at assembly venues and it's the same mm. things that go on. And so, you know, that really is what, you know, what, 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 uh, keeps me motivated is that, you know, the work that, 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 that we do and the work that I do through the IVM and, and, you know, with you and Mark and the faculty yeah. at AVSS just works to, to make sure that those people that, Want to be entertained? That 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 want to have some fun? That go to a venue that they can be safe and go home safely. Right. So so just for a layman, could you explain what's the difference between a non-fire alarm and a and a false alarm? Yeah, sure. So 
um, you know, because I'm an engineer, I'm the technical guy, right? And, 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 and so words mean things. And so when we talk about, you know, people say, well, we have a false alarm. We have a full false alarm. Uh, and what that really means is, hey, there's no fire. But when we try to evaluate what's wrong with people's fire alarm systems, we end up trying to differentiate uh, a false alarm as something that we would say would be where the fire alarm system doesn't function properly. So I have some electrical interference. I have a transformer up in a ceiling that's too close to the fire uh, alarm wiring that's causing some spurious signals. That I would define as a false alarm. But you hear me talk about non-fire alarms all the time, and that would be a smoke detector that's you know it's 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 in a it's in a locker room and the, the steam from the shower sets it off. Or I tell you that there's a, uh, you know, that there's uh, uh, smoke detectors in my exhibition hall and I've got uh, fork trucks or I've got semis that are moving around uh, within the building and they activate the fire alarm. Well, that's a non-fire alarm that, you know, the smoke detector did exactly what it's supposed to do. You know, it's looking right. for particles and it sees, you know, what's coming out of a diesel stack. You know, that's smoke, that's combustion, it's burning gasoline. So, um, we try to make sure that when we're looking at at systems that are that are, that are uh, causing uh, problems, you know, they're activating in non-fire conditions. That we we look at both those things that are wrong with the system, and then those things that are right with the system, but the system is just either installed in the wrong place or it's installed in uh, uh, in, in a in a in a use that really is probably not appropriate. So it it seems also too that. You know, video managers really need to be active in the maintenance of this, not just just cursory. You know, what if you were going to, rec- you know, what would you recommend to listeners out there? You know, to stay on top of this, to form a habit, to constantly be making sure things are maintained. You know, what from an engineering standpoint, what would you want video managers to do that you feel like could be a good a good strategy moving forward? Right. Yeah. So you know, a lot of times. Um, Venue managers, uh, they have, what, uh, 10,000 things to do in a day, and, and they only have time to, uh, to do maybe three or 4,000. And so a lot of times what happens is that the fire alarm system is uh, just uh, we, we hire a contractor to have them come and do the testing, and, and then we just feel that our, that, that our obligation is, is complete because I've hired somebody to do it. But in some cases, you know, I still have I still have false alarms, and um, so what what a uh, a venue manager can do or an operator can do is is get a little bit more familiar with this system, to not mm. be afraid of it. And so the first thing that I tell people is, uh, are you afraid of your system? Are you afraid that if you touch something or if you move something that you're, that it's going to go into an alarm? What that means is that you really, you know, for as integral as this as this thing is to the safety of your building, to the operation of your building, you really need to become a little more a little more familiar with it. So I would suggest that one, they start by uh, accompanying or having somebody on their staff accompany their, uh, you know, their their testing contractor, so that they can begin to understand the system. Uh, at that point, then they can start to ask the questions in terms of why do systems, why does this detector work, how does this work. Uh, where do we go from here? Uh, and then uh, the other thing that we also uh, try to make sure that people understand is that we have not just smoke detectors and sprinkler, fire, uh, sprinkler flow switches that are activating, but we also have pull stations. 
And so those are in the public spaces. They're all many mm. buildings are all over. And so the intent a long time ago, before we had the technology we did, was that we trusted uh, our fellow uh, fellow man uh, to to do the right thing and to see a fire and to pull the fire alarm to uh, uh, to allow people to evacuate, to sound the alert, so to speak. Well, over the years, we've had uh, vandalism. I'll call me. It's immature people or some you know people that are. Uh, uh, trying to get even because uh, you know they didn't they didn't think the beer was cold enough on uh, during the show, and so they'll right. pull the system, they'll pull the detector. So what we have now are uh, there's alarmed covers that go over those detectors, and so what mm-hmm. happens is uh, if somebody lifts the cover up, uh, it sounds a local alarm. So I'm not evacuating the building, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the staff can look at see what's going on. It really is a good deterrent, and then those uh, buildings that have these covers have reduced the frequency of malicious alarms uh, significantly. Uh, and then, uh, as you're aware, uh, Greg, uh, especially with Mark's work on active shooters and situational awareness, is unfortunately now uh, we've actually had some active shooters in the U.S. who pull a fire alarm at a venue so yeah. that you know people can start to come out of the safety there in closed spaces because it's a fire and they need to get out of the building and 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 so those um uh we want to now try and reduce that potential and so one of the things that i'm advising uh, uh venues is that if your building is fully sprinklered uh, the building of fire codes will allow you to remove all of the public fire alarm devices. I have to keep one, and that would usually be in the security office or venue manager's office so that we still can manually activate an alarm in the building. But it removes that public element. And, uh, again, sprinklers, uh, you know, Greg, you and I have talked about, uh, you know, there's not been a loss, a multiple loss of life fire in a fully sprinkler building. They provide such a high level of safety. They provide right. the alarm that the pull station would, uh, and uh, that the code says that I can use those as a substitute for the pull stations. And then what that does is that just eliminates those potential false alarms. So, and then the benefit of that would be, just, is it peace of mind, or is it something beyond that? Well, it's both, really. So, you know, one is just the, you know, the 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 fact that I've got to be chasing down false alarms. The other thing is, is what if I have an alarm while the venue is occupied and it's a non-fire condition? So, you know, there's hazards associated with getting, you know, in an arena, twenty up to fifteen, twenty thousand people, or at a at a stadium. Uh, I may have uh, upwards of sixty, eighty thousand people to ask them to leave during a non-fire condition creates other you know creates a hazard in and of itself so right. the goal is the goal is to again reduce the overall risk uh to people in the building not just from fire but other uh hazards associated with the evacuation process itself well you, you mentioned the code and i know when people think of the fire code people get you know kind of nervous that it's it's complicated it's a thick book but i mean again that doesn't that does not take away from the fact that it's good to be knowledgeable at least a cursory understanding you know, do you, I mean, as an engineer, you read, have to read the whole dang thing, but, you know, is there something you would recommend or is there like a abbreviated form they can read or is there some kind of layman's way of keeping up with it? Um, well, unfortunately, there is no easy button uh, when it comes to the code books. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, every year I've been, I've been reading code books for, for over three decades now. And, and they started out at, you know, when I started at 250 pages, and now they're 450 pages. And when you're in California, it's 900 pages. And so 
Uh, I think that my suggestion would be that for people to get the basic knowledge that they need to, um, uh, to understand how to run their venue safety, certainly uh, ADSS gives you a very good overview. Sure. Uh, and then I think the other thing is, is that there certainly are many qualified fire protection engineers and many qualified uh, engineering right. firms and many qualified fire protection uh, companies, installation contractors that they can reach out to and ask for advice uh, if they have specific questions or even just to get some uh, some general understanding. Um, one thing I do want to make a point about, though, that you said, yeah, you know, the books is a lot of pages, but the reality is that the, when you talk about the fire alarm rules, eh, you know what, there's like five pages. And so oh. uh, it really is not that hard to sit down if somebody can, you know, point you to a set, to a section and you might even talk to your fire marshal or your local building official and just say, Hey, could you tell me what sections I need to read when it comes to automatic or manual fire alarms? Uh, and get a little bit of, and get a little bit of, get a little bit of knowledge. I mean, that certainly is, is a possibility. Well, you know, and well, obviously you mentioned, you know, this is a, this is why we have these podcasts is so people are aware of the community. And in this case, uh, ally members from Henderson engineers, you know, so definitely it sounds, it just makes sense to reach out to, uh, you know, your ally company as a part as a partner, not just, a, not really, not a vendor, they're a partner in the operations of your building. So, uh, definitely maybe take out an engineer out to lunch. It's always, you guys eat too, right? So it's, uh, maybe, Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> the engineers like the, like to eat. If you saw me, you know, I like to eat. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, so you know, tell us just a little about you know yourself. You know, why? What is it about engineering that that excites you? You know, what is it? How is that? You know, how do you find that fulfilling? You know, what you, during your work is there something that you really just love about your job as an engineer? Yeah. Thanks, Greg. So I, I'm at I'm I'm at nature, and most engineers at nature are problem solvers. We love to mm. solve problems. And so, you know, I came into uh, I came into fire protection engineering, and actually, uh, all of this engineering on the on the venue side. I'm going to say, by an act of providence, I did not wait. I'm not a son of a firefighter. I didn't wake up, you know, at when I was three and decided I want to do this. Um, I, be, I went to engineering school uh, primarily because I was able to get some uh, some scholarships that allowed me to go to the Illinois Institute of Technology up in Chicago. Uh, the fire, I did, I did not, uh, I did not enroll as a fire protection engineer. I actually enrolled as a, uh, as an electrical engineer because as a stupid 17 year old, I wanted to fix electric clocks. And then I realized I got four years of math. Jeez, what is <laughs> where's the clock repair classes? Yeah. And so, and so my uh, roommate was in the fire protection program. He'd come back with these cool stories. We were up at Underwriters Laboratories is in Chicago. And the program is, you know, we're there and we're watching them burn buildings and burn, burn roofs and burn rooms and burn materials and fire pumps. And it, he come back with all these amazing stories. And I'm like, wow, that's, I really, it beats the heck out of four years of math and fixing clocks. And so uh, I saw the, uh, the chairman of the department. He gave me a half scholarship. If I changed my major, I was in. And then, uh, I was doing engineering for, um, uh, I started at a fire insurance company. I went to work uh, for a large industrial uh, uh, manufacturing firm. I worked for a fire department. I worked for a major uh, uh, highly protected risk insurance company. Uh, and then I, I'll say I stumbled into the sport, the, the sports and assembly venue market, uh, just because I had a client that wanted uh, uh, wanted some help in designing the Milwaukee Brewer Stadium. Uh, and this was, of course, 
15 years before the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium was was rebuilt. Uh, I've since been involved in 400 projects, and uh, it's just fascinating. You know, the the complexity of each design is 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 greater than the last one. Uh, the people in the room are just brilliant. The solutions that we see, the you know, the challenges that we have to overcome, and then so it's just uh, you know, I, it's. It's just exciting to be part of that. It's you know, it's the same addiction that the venue operators have. You know, it's like uh, you right. you all are you all are entertaining people, and it's a twenty four hour a day, seven day a week job. And what we're doing is constructing these venues and keeping them safe. And that's a twenty four hour a day, seven day a week job. And I, you know, I, I tried to retire a year and a half ago and I found out I was addicted and I came back and I'm glad, and I'm glad that I am. I mean, it's just been, um, uh, it's, it's been wonderful. And, and the nice thing they is, is, uh, for me is that, uh, I've always, uh, taught, uh, throughout my career, but about five or six years ago, actually, when I met, uh, you and Mark, uh, and became really involved in the IVM, it gave me some, opportunities to focus on uh, trying to transfer all of this knowledge and information that I've accumulated over the years to the next generation of uh, engineers that are, you know, that are providing these, these, you know, these great venues, these safe venues, you know, right now, uh, you know, we're working on the, on the new stadium for the, you know, out in, out in Los Angeles. You know, we, we get to continue. I mean, these, those buildings, if you look at them, they're just unbelievable. And, uh, from, from so many aspects. Uh, and it's just so, it's so fulfilling now to, for me to be able to, to know that I'm helping the next generation of fire protection engineers, uh, you know, continue to, 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 to allow these things to be built and to allow people to continue to come here and have fun and have fun in a safe right. fashion. Well, I mean, you said problem solving. So, you know, teaching is a form of that as well. You're solving the problems, helping someone figure out an issue in their own building. Uh, I can definitely see how that's it's it's production and it's finest sense. You know, you 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 start a project and you complete it, and there's some um, some gratification on that, obviously. And you know, goodness knows how many people you've helped through your train crew manager training through IBM as well. Uh, you've been teaching that for many years now as well. So I I can't imagine that. Um, anyone who experiences that kind of, you know, fulfillment is is certainly something you want to pass on too. I've I've seen, and and I have no doubt, you know, those some same people you've taught will come back to us someday in the future, saying, "Hey, I remember old, I remember old man Paul Velotti used to teach here. What, you know, how do I, uh, how do I do that too?" So, um, and I and that's the thing too. I think the nice thing is you never know who you how, the influence, you know, the positive impact. You you, you never can tell where that's going to go. You know, you never know. I mean, what positive things that'll that it expands exponentially so um well that's great you know and uh okay let's let's a couple few more questions you know can you tell us anything really you know what's the most fascinating question you ever had asked to you that you can you don't have to tell you who asked you but any very interesting questions you've gotten after class or an assessment that you just never thought anyone would ask you or, or something that you and you're now you you work in 300 venues i see here and a, and a career that spans decades. Uh, you know, you're a veteran of the industry. Anything in particular that's jumped out? Well, um, yeah, I think if I if I um, uh, look back on uh, on some of the projects that we got involved with, and and some of the questions that we've had from from people that I've worked with, uh, I can remember. Uh, you know, unfortunately, back uh, in um, 
Philadelphia when we were working on the new arena on the replacement uh, arena for the the spectrum out there and uh, there had been a high-rise fire uh, in the city uh, and it unfortunately killed uh, three firefighters and the, the 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 irony was that the building was not sprinklered they were in uh, the sprinkler contractor was installing sprinklers and he's the one who set the fire, you know, as a oh. construction. They were doing welding. They start the fire. They, they, they uh, killed three firefighters. So it was really a tragedy. And uh, we were scheduled uh, literally 10 days later to go to an appeals board because the arena that we were building had a roof on it that was 160 feet tall. And we were proposing that we would not provide sprinklers at the roof of the arena. So if you wow. can imagine this scenario as we show up, and uh, I told my client, you know, that uh, there's two parts to solving um, any of these life safety issues. One is the technical solution. What do the physics say? Those kinds of things. But then there's also mm -hmm. the emotions. And you can imagine the emotions are running quite high. So yeah. uh, fortunately for my client, you know, the physics carried the day. And, you know, I just, uh, as you, as you recall from, uh, from, from science class, uh, the radiation is a square function of the height. So, uh, I couldn't get a fire big enough on the floor to activate the sprinklers, or at least to, for them to be effective. So we were able to do that. Huh. Uh, I do. I do remember another. Uh, I do remember another venue, and this is where I love this because we we pay the price for all the venue operators' sins. Uh, was uh, at a, working on a, another uh, a new arena. This was the replacement for uh, the Boston Garden, and. We were at the appeals board meeting, and they literally said there'll be no concessions here, uh, and threw us out the threw us out the door. And like, where did that come from? And we'd come to find out that uh, uh, the uh, one of the building officials took his daughter to a to a uh, circus, and uh, some of the egress paths were blocked with tables and you know some concessionaires. Uh, and the venue manager had thrown him out. <laughs> and so, and so, and so we walked yeah. in and, and, and so it's just fun, you know, it's just funny that, uh, you know, it, it usually boils down to all the interesting things in life always come down to people, you know, and, right. and it's never the math, you know, as an engineer, it's, it, ultimately it's not the math. It's, it's all, it's always the people. Right. Well, that's always the human error too. Usually it's not the computer. It's the, the humans operating it, it seems. Well, that's a great, that's a very good point. Uh, you know, and we talk about, uh, you know, just the human error versus the, the technology. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, that we have found in that, uh, you know, a lot of us here, uh, uh, at, at, at Henderson strive to do is if you do a fire alarm system, uh, I don't know if you know or not today, but they're all computer-based. When you buy a fire alarm, you're actually just, it's a laptop computer, and it's got a bunch mm -hmm. of devices that are wired to it. And mm -hmm. so just like your computer, it has to be programmed properly. And you can, on paper, say this is how it's supposed to be programmed, and they can pretend that they programmed it properly. But a lot of times, you have to be able to be diligent enough to ferret it out, to do the proper acceptance testing, uh, uh, to make sure that the system is, is functioning as it is intended. And a lot of times uh, those errors are not caught when the building is built and time can go on. And you know what? Sometimes the error never is an issue, but sometimes it is. So uh, you're really, uh, you know, you're really right when you say, you know, we got to watch for the human factor. Uh, you know, I used to, uh, I used to say, um, 
that there's three main causes of fires? And the answer is, oh, well, what are they, Paul? Well, it's men, women, and children. Uh, and so that really kind of sums up, you know, that really yeah. kind of sums up the issue in terms of where we're at and what we're trying to do is, right. uh, you know, the fires generally don't start by themselves. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're just trying to, uh, trying to minimize the risk and to minimize the consequences. Yeah. Well, Paul, it's a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you for being an ally member. Uh, thank you, Henderson Engineers, for for being one of our members as well. And, and thank you for being an instructor, both ABSS and Trend Commander. Any any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, I just want to tell everybody that uh, uh, I was encouraged to join um, uh, IVM and to be an active member uh, now, almost six years ago, and it has been one of the most delightful things for me, uh, coming from the construction industry, which is a cutthroat business. And, uh, you know, they'll throw me off a project for 10 cents, uh, 10 cents cheaper and five minutes faster. Uh, I am so delighted to be part of a group that reaches out that actually like, wants to help each other, uh, whose stated goal is to advance each other in the profession. Uh, and it's very refreshing and it's very delightful and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a member and I'm very pleased that Henderson supports, uh, the efforts that, um, that I'm able to, uh, uh, to pursue on behalf of, uh, IVM. So anyway, well, thank, thank you, Greg. You. It's been a great, great comment. Oh, no, thank you, Paul. And I really appreciate you coming on today. And of course, uh, those of you coming to ABSS this year, we'll see Paul teaching again. Uh, and of course in the future as well. So thank you, Paul. And, uh, we'll see up to everyone later and have a great week. Thanks, Greg. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks.